I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Cat. Doggy, doggy. Hello, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm, look at us. Look at us with microphones next to our faces. Wow. We look like real professionals. We do. If only they knew that I'm not wearing any trousers. <laughs> Good thing um, we're actors, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Tell me everything. What's new? I'm good. I am currently on location, so I'm sitting in a closet with every cushion and duvet cover surrounding me. Um, Beautiful. How about yourself? Where in the world are you? I'm in New York. Uh, I'm filming a TV show here. It's very exciting. Amazing. But more importantly, we're not here to talk about this TV we're show. We're here to talk about should something we? new. And I should we tell them what it. we're doing here? I think we should, should tell we? them. Do you think we should tell them? I think we should tell them. I think the suspense has been going on long enough. So Dom and I would like to officially welcome you to the first installment of our podcast, where we will take you into the fray and delve into the shadow world that we all know and love so much, highlighting the stories from the set, our favorite plot lines, the show's legacy, all powered by the beloved Shadow Fam. I'm Catherine McNamara. And I am Dominic Showed, and together we make up Clace, the Clary and Jace partnership on Shadowhunters. We are <laughs> so excited to to be able to go back and revisit something that was so so beautiful to us, and mm-hmm. and as many of you have told us, so important to you. So we get to go and and have a little look back at what we did and what we all shared together, and that's super exciting. It really is. So join us, Shadow Fam, as we. Return Return to to the the shadows.
welcome to the podcast world, Shadow Fam. Here it is. Here we are. The Shadow Fam has slowly taken over various different parts of the world in the interwebs, and we figured the podcast realm is just another dimension in which we can spread the love logical. of the Shadow Fam. It really logical. is. It's, Makes we're sense. eventually going to take over the planet. That's it's true. my personal plan. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but that is what I've been thinking. That basically when I joined the show, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be literally king of earth one day. And this is just the next step. It is. Can we adapt your and Matt Daddario's zombie apocalypse plan to the Shadow Fam plan? We have a different for plan takeover? also for this. Do you? Um, we do involves a boat, uh, several boats, commandeering boats. <laughs> we should talk about this when Matt's yes. on the show. We but will. We, we have. Get into we have it. a. We have a plan. We have a plan in place for taking over it the world. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, thank you so much for being here with us today. And I know Dom. You know we've been planning this for a really long time and wanted to do something special for the Shadow Fam. We miss the Shadow World. We miss all of you. And it's been a couple of years since we've been able to be you know in the same space as all of you. So we're coming into your space. And we're asking you to we're come intruding. on this journey with us. <laughs> we're intruding. You said, no, nah, we're not coming. We're not coming to see you. So we are visiting you via phone, via computer, via radio, anywhere where you can hear us. That's where we're going to be. Oh, I can't wait. Well, with no further ado, adieu. Is that right? Adieu. adieu. Without further ado. Without yeah. further, like, like on grass. With much ado about nothing. Yeah. Yes. Like in the morning when it's further cold. Adieu. Adieu. Spelled differently, but it, that's all right. It's it's a it's a homophone. It works. Here's Kat keeping me good with my grammar. Thank you very much, Kat. Tell her, tell her, tell them, tell him, tell everyone who's listening: pets, family, mums, dads, brothers, sisters. Tell them all what we're doing today. What's the plan? So for our first episode, we are diving in to do a rewatch of the first episode called "The Mortal Cup," season one, episode one. Our beloved pilot that we spent many weeks, days, hours filming. It was almost a month, Nights. wasn't it? Didn't we spend almost a month filming this? It felt like it, but I think that's because with pre- pre-production kind of blurred into it and we were still getting started. You know, we were mm. still learning what the world was and what the show was and what that process was going to be. So, You know, that's a really interesting thing because I, I rewatched it yesterday again, yeah. just as a refresher course. And there are some like noticeable things that I found where I was, I sort of saw like, oh, we haven't found our feet yet. We're well on the way, mm-hmm. but there are some things, there are some like laws, like L-O-R-E laws that we, and like, we just ignored that later on. That is, we just stopped doing <laughs> that. That was just a thing like, this is too complicated. We're going to, we're going to pretend that that didn't happen. It was interesting. It was kind of experimental in that way. There were so many things we went, well, how does this happen? Or how, what does it look like when we kill a demon? Or what are the rules of, you know, what warlock magic looks like? And you just kind of go, I don't know, let's try this. Well, and interestingly, all sort of everything, as much as it was a conversation, things like warlock magic ended up being Harry's decision. You know, like everything was sort of everyone's individual, like, how do you do this? This is how I would do this. This is what I think it would look like. And obviously Harry did a spectacular job and... You know, Matt designed what Grumpy Shadowhunter looked like and Emerald Flirty Shadowhunter. <laughs> and I guess I took a hand in Cocky Shadowhunter and we got to start this world, which was mm-hmm. petrifying, to be completely honest. There was so much responsibility yeah. into what we had to do. And fortunately, people liked it and we got to keep coming back mm-hmm. and keep doing it, which was awesome. It really was. I remember that first dinner when I arrived in Toronto, the rest of you were all there and Mm. you gathered everyone in the lobby to say hello. And we all went to dinner and I'll never forget that that first dinner. I think you did. Doesn't sound like me. 
How very social of me. I think it does. You were very social and very sweet. And, you know, we all kind of bonded together instantly. And it's when I met Isaiah for the first time and when I met Matt for the first time. And and we all sat there around that dinner table and went, this is a huge responsibility and kind of had a chance to talk about all that. I remember, you know, Isaiah and Harry kind of sat the kids down and said, look, you know, this can be a really wonderful experience or a really terrible experience for all of us. So let's have fun and be good to each other and be good sports and be a team about this. And it set us off on just the right foot to be a family going through this wheah. whole process. Yeah, it really did. So shall we give the little bit of a uh, description for the episode? Let's. Okay. Based on the best-selling young adult fantasy book series, The Mortal Instruments by Cassandra Clare, Shadowhunters follows Clary Frey, who finds out on her 18th birthday that she is not who she thinks she is. She comes from a long line of Shadowhunters, half-human, half-angel hybrids, tasked with protecting the downworld from demons. Now thrown into the world of demon hunting after her mother is kidnapped, Clary must rely on the mysterious Jace and his fellow Shadowhunters, Isabel and Alec, to navigate this new dark world. With her best friend Simon in tow, Clary must now live among fairies, warlocks, vampires, and werewolves to find answers that could help find her mother. Nothing is as it seems, including her close family friend Luke, who knows more than he's letting on, as well as the enigmatic warlock Magnus Bane, who could hold the key to unlocking Clary's past. You know, I gotta say, you should do audiobooks. I'd listen to that for <laughs> days. That was just. I've done one. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah I knew it's that. Really fun. I, I listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> what book did you do? It was a new um, sci-fi book that just came out. It, it was I, it was myself and Will Wheaton because it was a dual kind of narrated Will Wheaton thing. Will Wheaton from narrated. Star Trek? Yes. Yes. Awesome. That's great. That was fun. Um, cool. So this episode was written by Ed Dector and directed by the incredible McGee and it aired on January 12th, 2016. Now, do we do we want to watch little bits? Like, how does this? How does the episode open? What happens? I watched it yesterday, and I remember being upset that the first face you see is Matt's face. Well, I wanted to talk to you about this because do you remember the original script for the pilot um, started with the flashback of yeah. young Clary and Jocelyn at the lake, mm -hmm. and then we sat down. McGee, who is our executive producer and brilliant director, he directed our first episode. He sat us down for that roundtable. And we mm -hmm. were able to sit down as a cast and talk through the entire episode. And it was such a great moment because we were really given carte blanche to throw out opinions and say anything that we thought. We In that moment, I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was Mucci, but we decided to rearrange the entire pilot. That sounds like Mucci. That sounds like Mucci. Yeah. <laughs> is a genius and he comes in with these ideas every now and then and is just like, hey, we're doing this. And I'm like, okay. That's mental, but sure, I we all trust you, so let's <laughs> let's do it. It's great. Start in the middle. That's where stories should start. Right in the middle. You got it, McGee. That's literally what he said. Yeah, that's literally what he said. He said we should start with the shadow hunters on the hunt, hunting the demon in the in what is the distillery district of Toronto. But it was such a brilliant idea because then you get that moment where you're thrown into the into the fray, as it were, into the middle of everything. Then it cuts back 10 hours earlier and you're going, wait, this is the most exciting part of the episode. You see Clary and Jace meet for the first time and then it cuts and you're left kind of with that suspense. Yeah. Shall we dive in? Let's. Let's do it. So it's not even Matt. Matt's not the first one. It's no. the demon, the older guy in the glasses. Isn't that funny? That's the first one we see. He was the face of Shadowhunters. He didn't even know. 
he didn't even know. (laughs) Okay, so for those listening, the show opens and we're in New York City. We see a man at a concession stand that is apparently being tracked. And not just by one person, by a few people who seem to be magical. Interesting. (laughs) This is our first time seeing Dom, also known as Jace Herondale, and Matthew Daddario and Emerald Tabia as Alec and Isabel Lightwood, our super siblings. And of course, then Jace runs right into Clary. Yours truly. Instant chemistry. Right, Dom? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) I'll never forget the first time we saw this footage. Was it New York Comic Con? It was. We were standing behind the the screen so we Mm -hmm. saw it as a mirror image and it was i'd never i hadn't seen any of the show yet i hadn't even seen a a, you know a single clip and it was so exciting we'd all poured so much into this and and it had been our life for the last six months and there it was and we could hear Mm -hmm. the reactions of the fandom for the first time really quite special to to be able to hear that people they tell us that this is exciting and that this, you know, is a popular show and whatever. And we also knew that the movie had been done once before and people didn't really respond mm-hmm. to it how they had hoped. And what, you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. to hear a response of people that, I feel like it was Hall H, wasn't it, in San Diego? It, no, we were in New York. Oh, we were in New York. Oh, that's right. We were in New York. But I know that it was standing room only at, mm-hmm. the, at the panel, our for, very first panel. Oh, they were there. Just shoulder check me right away. Yeah. You're in the way. <laughs> Although it is pretty disrespectful of Jace to like, if he's aware that people can't see him to not get out of the way and then, and then to be like indignant about the fact that I just checked this girl <laughs> and she's like, Hey, and he's like, actually that should have been my fault. I should have gone out of your way. Cause you literally d- shouldn't have known that I was there. The fact that you could see me yeah, was a surprise right. to me. So it's, it was very like, I wonder how many people he does that to who have gone home that day and been like, I think I'm insane. I think I'm an insane person because <laughs> someone definitely brushed by me today, but I was in the shower. Not that Jace was not in the shower. I just, that's not what I meant. What I just is, meant where in is a Jace place. hunting demons? No, what I meant was just a place where you would definitely be on your own. And the first thing that came to my head was a shower, but obviously Jace wasn't mm. watching people shower. That would have been super creepy. Right. I mean, unless they're demons. Unless they're like a demon. Up. But if they were a demon, they'd be able to see me. That's true. See? Unless you were glamoured. Who knows? It's tricky. These are conversations that we would have like in the hallways of the Institute fairly often. Oh, always. We'd be like, oh, could you, but couldn't you do this? You'd be like, no, you can't do this because of this. Or what about this? Well, you can't do that because we (laughs) said this. This is why we're all so obsessed with the shadow world because we literally spent so many years trying to logic everything out and going, you know, all the what ifs of the world. Yeah. And you and Alberto coming in with like, well, remember in the books. And I'm like, calm down with that. I'm barely getting to grips with the script. Just can you tell me what my last <laughs> name is for this scene? And then let's be done right. with it. Don't tell me what happens in book six. I don't need to know to that right fair, now. To be fair, we all have far too many last names in this series. At least you and it's I true. do. What did you, you went through three? Frey, Fairchild, Morganstern. Yeah. Yeah, three. Yeah. We don't need to do a kill count. We need to do a last name count. That's what we should really do. That's true. How many last names people That's went true. through. Yeah. Who's related to who at this point in the story? Yeah. Something yeah. else I wanted to bring up is I think it's, I, I find it very kind of first season indicative that your first scene that you filmed is this badass shadow hunter on the hunt. And the first scene that I filmed as Clary was that scene walking into the Brooklyn Academy of Art. And I'll never forget my first, yeah, my first day on set ever as Clary was walking into that building with my portfolio in hand. And the first words I ever said as Clary was, hi, I'm Clary Frey. That's pretty cool. And that moment was so 
all-encompassing and it you know all the work that we'd put in all the long audition process everything you and I had worked so hard to kind of own these roles and be able to say I am Clary and I am Jace and to start off like that our ADs always did this to us though they always sort of scheduled things in a very fortuitous way well because Silic was doing a lot of it in season one was he not yeah Silic, who was then an assistant director was in charge of a lot of it I mean he's a dad in real life and sort of became a bit of a dad slash buddy to all of us. Mm-hmm. He was kind of the guy that you would go to if anything was wrong or he would see it a lot of times and he would be like, oh no, we should do, like you say, we should do this scene now because it's going to mean a lot to Kat or it's going to mean a lot to Dom or like we should do this first because this is going to be tricky to be followed by this or whatever it is. They were they were so caring about us. It, you know, there's a, there, I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this who delve more into this, which is really exciting, but there'll be a lot of people listening who don't know what it's like on set. You see the finished product and you see little bits of sort of behind the scenes stuff. And I think it's really important to note that the guys who worked on this show went above and beyond every day of the week for as far back as I can remember from day one. It was a a group of people willing to go through kind of hell and back, especially season one when we were pulling, you know, there were like 30 something days where I didn't didn't stop filming. I was doing something every day for 30 days you must have been the same because we were always together. It was 17 hour days every day for six months. And it was 17 hour days. It was relentless. And we were Mm -hmm. in coming winter and season one, we didn't really experience a proper winter though, did we? No, because we shot through the summer. It was, it was like April to November or something. Yeah. And then season two is when we hit a good winter. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we dove right into the the midst of it. That's later on. That's going to come like episode we'll get there. 14 of the podcast and we can really delve into what it was like to film in a Torontonian winter. It oh, was yes. really something. But I will, I'll, I'll second what you were saying though. It's something that I always try and express about the Shadow Fam is, you know, we have this incredible fandom and we have all of this, but it really started with that family that we had on set. And I've, I've never been on a set like that before or since where every single department really is a cohesive unit and cares and shares resources and information. And everyone was there setting ego aside every single day to create and tell a story and to work together to build this world from the inside out. And it made it such a special process because it, it went beyond, you know, doing a good job, but also taking care of the people that were there and the family that was working so hard every single day to build this this world. Totally, totally. And on the note of building this world, I just want to talk a bit about the Stelles. They were a major part of our show, um, but they were also new to us. They were a new thing that we hadn't seen or worked with before. So just even talking about the word Stelle, number one, that conversation about how to pronounce it properly probably took a week. Oh my goodness. Is it a steel? Is it a steely? It was none of those things. It was a stele. No. And that's and another thing that we got to decide. Like, how do you say that? We're going to mm-hmm. say it like this. That's how we're going to say it. And uh, fragile. Season one, they were fragile. Very, very fragile. Oh, yes. We broke so many. How many did we break? I know I know my count. I know, what I, I know how many I broke because I got yelled at for it by the props department. I know I broke at least three because I kept putting them in my back pocket and sitting on them. And sitting on them. I didn't have them as much. They were not designed Season one, to I didn't use on. them very much. You didn't? No. We did kind of skip over the um, a few things that mm-hmm. happened. I just want to jump back and address the Simon Lewis of it all. We saw the lovely yeah. Alberto for the Simon first time. Simon Lewis. And, his t- and it's so tough now because we've seen the show and we know what happens. 
see this like sweet little Simon Lewis with his glasses who's just desperately in love with his best friend. And I know what happens to him. We all know what happens mm -hmm. to him. And it's mm -hmm. all I think of is that one scene that makes me cry. And you know what that is. And I'll bring it up when we get to that episode with his mum. I can't wait. I think it's the most, the most gorgeous thing. And I think we were so blessed to have Alberto get that role. And you know what? I knew Alberto was going to get this role. And here's how I knew. Mm -hmm. When how? I turned up, so you, you will remember this, but for the fans who haven't heard this story before, I was cast first. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and then I had to come in and read with the Clary's. And there was yeah. three rounds of Clary's. There was an initial person and then they didn't do it. She wasn't right. And then we found a new group of people. I think it was like six or seven of them auditioned with all of them. Nobody was quite right. All very talented actors, but nobody was quite right. And then the last group and Kat obviously was in that last group and blew everyone away. And she was our Clary. And that was the end of it. That day they were also auditioning. I want to say the Izzy's and the Izzy's and the Simons and the Simons. And there were three yeah. potential Simons and they were, you know, sat in this room and it's, uh, it's not a fun experience auditioning anyway, especially when they put you in a room and you can see the guys that you're auditioning with and like, Oh, this guy's <laughs> better looking than me. And so is this guy. And that's annoying. And maybe I'm making the wrong choices, whatever. But Alberto was the only one wearing glasses. He was the only That's only true. actor who knew enough about Simon Lewis that he was wearing glasses, and he turned up wearing glasses, and I was like, that kid is going to get this role, and I hope this kid gets this role. I had a similar experience because I was in that whole round of – that was our final screen test mm -hmm. that you were at, but we had a few other kind of chemistry tests and, and different producer rounds before that, and I remember walking in the first time and seeing the Izzy's and seeing the Simons and the Clary's. And I looked around the room and I saw Alberto. And just in my head, suddenly I went, well, there's Simon Lewis. Because he just had the Simon energy. I mean, you know, Al we know Alberto now and how what uh, how much work he does as an actor mm -hmm. and what an extensive you know, amount of, of prep he puts into things. But he just had the energy and the look and he was exactly on point and... You just knew. And he was the only other person who, it was actually Taylor Mallory as well that was in the audition room with all of us, kind of oh, checking really? everybody in. Yeah, who's now one of our writers, but mm -hmm. at the time she was a writer's room assistant. And Alberto and myself and Taylor were the only three that were kind of talking about the books and bantering back and forth. And it just, it, it made sense from that yeah. time. He was the guy. He was the guy from minute one. He was the guy. Did you know that Alberto and I kept a list of band names? Throughout the entire series. Woof. woof. What did you, we should <laughs> probably talk about this when, oh, the ones we actually used in the band? Well, the, it started with that because in the books, Simon's band goes through a whole list of names from Champagne Enema, which we see in this episode, to Rock Solid Panda. a truly to horrendous band name, by the way. Truly, Champagne truly Enema, horrendous. yes. Yeah. Well, then Rock Solid Panda, which everyone knows. Amazing. It's my favorite one. I still have a t shirt. Oh, of course. I wear it all the time. Everybody's like, oh, is that a band? I go, yes, it is. It sure is. Look it's my up. friend's band. Look them up. It's fantastic. Also, Lawn Chair Crisis is another one from the books. And there's a whole list. But we started coming up with them as well. And it all started with this first scene that we shot. It had to do with the biscotti that disappeared into the paper. But Ambidextrous Biscotti was the first band name that That's we... That's tough to say. Ambidextrous... Nope. <sighs> say that three times fast. Indeed. And then we also very quickly get to see this sort of um, first bit of magic foreshadowing as mm -hmm. we see the biscotti disappear. Disappear. Into the yeah. paper. Never really understood why you had that ability. We'll, we'll get into that in episode seven. Do, do we talk about station. it? Oh, we do talk about it. We well, do. no, I know, I know what it elicits story-wise, but 
I never really understood that you were the only shadow hunter who could do it. And also we don't really make much use of it ever. There are so many opportunities where we could have been like, let's smuggle this thing in, in a playing card. Let's, or, you know, let's crumple up a piece of paper that has an image of our swords on it and then just get there and have her pull out our swords. That'd be sick. Would have been really useful in the Sealy court or, you know, any other So many times. It would have been so useful so many times. But let's get back to the episode. Okay, so now we are at a crime scene and we see the one and only Isaiah Mustafa as Luke Garraway with a woman on the ground. Uh, Her body has been drained of blood, as we see, and his police dog is barking up a storm. Well, at least until he looks at it. Poor lady, poor dead lady on the super uncomfortable gravel. Oh, man. But look at that shot. The first shot of Isaiah is just so the most Isaiah shot you could get maybe one of the most photogenic human beings alive. Like there's no- It's true. There, I've seen so many photos of the group of us together and normally one of us looks shitty. Like there's a point where one of us (laughs) looks like someone's not looking at the camera or like I got distracted, but it's normally me. But Isaiah, always flawless. I've never seen him Mm -hmm. take a bad picture. I actually, that's actually quite irritating. I wish, I want to see one. I want to see a bad photo of Isaiah, you know? I just don't, I don't think, think it, exists. it exists. I don't think it exists. No. Look at him with his sexy jaw. Good grief. And Alaric. Th- this is something you'll... And Alaric. And Alaric. Joel LaBelle, who plays Alaric. Joel we LaBelle. love Joel LaBelle. Joel LaBelle is up there with some of the funniest men I've ever met in my entire life. He also... Concur. The, what you should know about Joel LaBelle is he's like a real-life stuntman, but not yeah. on camera. He just... He has a parachute and will... <laughs> climb buildings and jump off them because he's a literal psychopath. It's like, you should come with me one day. He has, he does have a wingsuit. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Yeah. What a loony tune. Oh, and Vargas. We met Vargas as well. Yes. Detective Vargas played by Lisa Marcos, who also was so lovely and we didn't get to see enough of on the show. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about why later. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Now we're moving on to see Dot. Dot. For the very first time. Dot has a rough episode. Let's be fully honest. Poor Dot, poor Vanessa. There's a lot that happens to her here. And we're in the rewatch episode, so I'm going to spoiler alert if you haven't seen it but like she gets thrown out a window and she gets poisoned mm-hmm. it really doesn't set up the whole concept of you know shadow hunters protecting the good guys and foreshadowing a lot of times we don't we're not the best at our jobs sometimes Mm-mm. Mm-mm. but we try we do our best i loved this antique shop that we shot at i always wanted to go back and actually look at what it was Antiques. in its yeah its actual iteration how much is allowed to be used of so this was obviously was a real antique shop, but they don't, I'm guessing they didn't strip everything out of it. They might have had to because really? later on, when with the rain towers, they destroyed a lot of it. Mm, interesting, interesting, interesting. After when the the bad guys come through, they kind of smash yeah. and. Well, because I know so like on other shows, and again, you know, for any and all listeners who don't know what it's like shooting on a location, there's two ways of shooting a TV show: you shoot in a studio, and they custom build whatever it is inside of the studio. So the Institute is a good example. The Institute they hand built from the ground up to be just the mm-hmm. Shadowhunters Institute. This obviously is on location. So it's a real functioning antique store. And there are times in which, obviously not in this case, but there are times in which a lot of whatever that antique store is, is just the antique store. So we, for example, we just shot in the plaza for partner track. Mm. And I don't think there's any world in which they're like, well, let's take out all of this stuff from the plaza and put in all of our stuff (laughs) in, you know, middle of New York rush hour. That doesn't really happen. So a lot of the stuff that was there is just the accoutrement of the plaza. And I guess it's interesting because, you know, the other thing that I think audience members forget when when it comes to TV shows is the, the only actors who are there who see these places are the actors who are in the scene. If we're never filming in that location, we never see this place. So there's a lot of times that changes will be made on set. We get there and, oh, the couch is in the wrong place or like we're not allowed to move this or we can't touch this or we can't shoot this way because of the light coming in the window, whatever it is. So they change things, you know, as they're going. So there are times when we, Kat, me, whoever, will watch the scenes and go, oh, that is not how that was written and not how I expected that to be at all. It's just a complete surprise, which I can only talk from my point of view, but normally that's quite nice because you're like, I'm watching this for the first time with everyone. I I get to experience this for the first time. I know vaguely what the words are going to be, but the actual action of the whole thing is is new to me, and that's really cool. That's why I always loved on our show that we did table reads for every episode, because you get to hear, especially for the Malik stuff and the storyline that you and I didn't quite get to be around all Mm -hmm. the time and get to see being shot. We heard what the episode was in its first iteration and then got to watch it with the audience for the first time and, and to see kind of the arc of where it started and where it ended up yeah. is a, a little bit you of magic so for us. about that? It is so similar to the fans. It's so similar to being a yeah. fan of the book and reading the book and not knowing mm-hmm. what's going to be on screen and then seeing it happen on screen. You're right. The table reads is a very similar parallel to that. We missed stuff. Mm-hmm. We went off on a tangent again. 
and we missed her. We did. Poor Jocelyn's never going to get introduced. No, we we got this. So now we get to meet the one and only Jocelyn Fairchild. Love her to bits. Oh, also, this apartment was actually above the antique store. Oh, that's clever. It, it's one of the few sets that it it exists as it actually did in life in our show. And the Stella, the wonderful gift that her mother gives. It's an heirloom. Just just a it's just a general. What is this? A just paperweight? a general heirloom. Oh, Clary, of course it's not a paperweight. <laughs> This is the most useless paperweight I've ever seen in my life. Who makes a paperweight a stick shape? Maybe the Fairchilds do. Or the phrase at, in this point of the Evidently story. Evidently not. It's a no. stele. But this shot where I'm putting on the jacket for the first time was mm. actually shot in the Jade Wolf. They put a mirror and hung a curtain because they needed that in-between shot. So they shot it later on at the end of the season when we did all of those pickup shots. Oh, yeah, that's Ten right. Ten years ago. Okay, we are now in Jocelyn's flashback, where Clary is just a little girl innocently playing in some body of water in Central Park when a demon jumps out at her. Jocelyn saves Clary and rushes her to the home of Magnus Bain, the one and only Harry Shum Jr., because she wants him to take away Clary's memories. Great parenting. Solid parenting. Hey, plus, you should write a book. <laughs> There he is. I mean, Magnus Bain at his best. At his best. That always, I, I was always so in awe of Harry and the way that he created from day one, Magnus's mm-hmm. movement and the magic and the way it kind of adapted as the years went on. It couldn't have been done, I don't think, one, any better, and two, I don't think it couldn't mm-hmm. have been done by someone who wasn't such a talented dancer. You can it's see true. it in, in in every motion he does and in, in even, the, even the minuscule movements are, are so immaculate. Mm-hmm. I think the only person who could have done that is a is an impeccable dancer. And Harry ticked that box. I think the only person who could have done that is Harry. Honestly, Agreed. just the way that he thinks about things and, and what he adds to it. Agreed. I also love, now we're watching the scene where um, Luke gives Clary spray paint. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have the, the third conversation that we see where they go, Hey, Clary, um, be careful. The world isn't safe. Something's going to happen to you. Which, you know, you'd think if your kid was potentially setting off into a... We take some risks on this show. Because also, Luke's a cop. Like, he's not just what we find <laughs> out later on, but he's a cop. It would have been very yeah. easy for him to just be like, hey, guys, can you tail this girl for the day around New York? Like, New York's a crazy place anyway, but there's a mm-hmm. high chance that she might get attacked. Could you please just follow this girl around? But riddle me this. Equally so, if he had done that, He's risking the cops seeing any kind of weird... Well, they wouldn't have seen it, though. If they were human, they wouldn't have seen it. But they would have seen something. They would have seen you acting all weird. I suppose also the cops might have been in somewhat mortal danger. True. Because the demons and and such at that point really were very much disregarding human life in any mm, any way, shape, or form. mm -hmm. They kind of always do, to be honest. Fair. We never really reach a point where demons are like, ah, we'll let this one go. You know, they all kind of suck. They just became more monstery later on. Like season two mm-hmm. on, they became more like creatures rather than yeah. demons that look like people, you know? They focused more on attacking other members of the downworld as well mm-hmm. and less. The mundanes kind of faded into the background. Yeah. Where was the church? I, I don't remember. I remember filming outside the church vividly, but I don't yeah. remember where it was. So I found it a couple years later. I walked by, because the the camera store I used to go to to get my film developed was right across the street. Mm. And I remember turning around, coming out of the film store, and it was right there in front of me. Like it just appeared. It really did. Like it was de-glamored in front of my eyes. We have a lovely scene. We meet Maureen, where uh, Simon and Clary are sitting on top of the, the 
what we liked to call the panda van in the end. It was Simon's panda van. band van. That one, honestly, for a van that would barely start and smelt like a petrol bomb, <laughs> did really well. We used that van in season three, I think. Like it stuck it out. We did. Somehow. It, uh, it lived a long life on the Shadowhunter set. R.I.P. Panda van. I'm assuming it's broken down by now, eight years later. Probably. It must have Or it's on some other set, having been repainted. Yeah, it really could be. Okay, so now we are at the part where Clary tells Simon and Maureen that her life couldn't be more mundane, Freddie foreshadowing. And we find (laughs) out that she really doesn't know that much about her family history. Maureen finds that pretty sketchy and says that Jocelyn must be hiding a deep, dark secret. And look at that. We cut to a shot of Jocelyn at home pulling out the world's biggest sword with the air and grace of a true shadow hunter. Oh, look at those swords. The the retractable swords were cool. So I remember talking about this. I asked McGee about this because I can't remember. I think McGee, it was McGee's idea to have them retract into the handle. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about what the what it's going to look like. And this is what we ended up going with, which I think is really cool. And then obviously we changed the whole thing. Look, my personal opinion I think we can get a little more, a little more free with this. Like it's not, it's, I, they're not going to fire me from this show. You know what I mean? It's we're done. <laughs> like I can, I think I can say whatever I want. I didn't like those swords at all. They were a nightmare. And every time we would fight with them, a little bit would chip off and then they would grind them down again. So they look sharper. So if you watch over the course of the show, over these 13 episodes, my sword ends up about an inch shorter than it started because the only way to it get that shorter? edge again, mm-hmm, the only way to get that edge again was to grind it back down and get that get the little oh, kinks no. out of it. So they would grind the sword back down, and that takes the tip a little smaller every time. And they were fiberglass, weren't they? Mm-hmm. They were fiberglass with a flashlight in the handle. With a flashlight in them, the flashlights them being kept dying. So fragile. They were yeah. so fragile. They were so fragile. We couldn't actually have any impact when mm-hmm. we were fighting with them. So you had no, to kind of remember go, the big ones used to fly off, tink. and because they would shatter yes. at the handle, and the blade would just yes. fly off directly past your face. Yeah, that was a whole mm-hmm. thing. That was a, and they're like, "Well, just be more careful." What do you mean, be more with the swords? What do you mean? <laughs> Well, this is just one of many things on our show that we had to learn and work out the kinks and, and figure out, you know, what, yeah, what, literally and figuratively. Yep. Speaking of rolling with punches, we are uh, to the tracking shot that was McGee's brainchild. Oh, still so far ahead of me. I'm at shirtless Simon. That's just where I keep it, though. That's just, that's, I've put a bookmark in there. That's just where I go. Straight to shirtless Simon. Fun little BTS of Alberto. He, was it season two he came back? And was in the most incredible yes. shape anyone's ever seen. And he, it was season, season two or two B, yeah. He actually looked like a bodybuilder. He was in such good yeah. shape that they had to be like, hey man. And they told him he was too big for a particular reason. Yes. He didn't look like Simon Lewis at that He didn't point. look like Simon Lewis, He, but he looked no. amazing. He, I mean, yes. I've never seen, I mean, that man was in such good shape. His you know, muscles was so had proud. muscles. It was crazy. Yes. And also, Alberto's the kind of person, he's such an athlete. He can... Like sneeze at a at a dumbbell, and suddenly he ha- he's in the best shape of his life. Yep. But also, this is something I was so thrilled to be around all of you guys because I had never really trained before in any sense of. I mean, I'd been a dancer my whole life, but I hadn't trained physically in a gym with weights or done martial arts or anything like that. And so to be surrounded by all of you guys that were so motivated and worked so hard and kind of let, you know, the little sister tag along to the gym, it mm. was the only reason that I stayed so motivated. You and you guys and Nuno. 
And Nuno, yeah. Nuno! The great Nuno de Sales, our personal trainer. Well, I mean, we didn't really we didn't really train in martial arts until season two. Season two is when we really started. Like, there was no technique to what we were doing in season one at all. And again, we will get into that later. So make sure you come back for episode 14. So much foreshadowing, Don. So much foreshadowing. Listen, you got to bring the people back. you got to give That's them what true. they want. you got to bring the people back. You're all coming Return back, right? Return to the shadows please, please again and again. Um, oh, poor Maureen. <laughs> poor Maureen with her little looks to Simon. She loved Simon. She really did. Shirt to Simon again. I mean, how can you not love Simon? How can you not love Simon? I stand to reason that Clary made the wrong choice all the way through. Well, we'll debate that later on. We can debate that later, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now we're repainting the van. Very quick paint job. Quickest quickest spray spray painter I've ever seen in my entire life. It's true. You do two sprays, two total sprays. (laughs) You get the full name of it up there. The angelic rune is up there. And also the name of the band in like 14 different colors. And literally all you did was... And shoulder check once again. Yeah, get out of my way. I got business, lady. <laughs> I do love the pun of pandemonium with the so demon clever. flashing in the middle. So clever. I want to know whose idea that was. It's, it was it's in this a lot. It's in. I just rewatched it yesterday, and it's it's a it's not so much a subtle hint as it is like this is what our show's about, and it's pretty constant. <laughs> demon here. Demon, warning. demon, demon. Watch out, demon, demon, demon. It's also a very on-the-street-outside-a-club-in-New-York interaction of, would you watch where you're going? Does that totally. line actually work? Are yeah. you kidding me? All very, very New York. I mm-hmm. fun BTS here. I think I ended up getting banned from this bar after we'd finished filming there. Was this one of them? You know, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about this or I'm not. I'm okay but talking about it, I know, yeah. I know we got asked to leave once. We got asked to it leave. It was for a silly reason, though. It was it, such a silly that reason. That guy was rude. He, We were playing pool, and he kept taking the triangle away from us, which, for anyone who doesn't <laughs> know what pool is, it's a triangle-shaped piece of plastic that you arrange the balls in at the beginning. And he kept taking it away from us, and I was like, dude, we're playing pool, man. We need that. And eventually, he put it behind the bar, like I'm seven years old. So I hopped over the bar, and I grabbed it, and he was not a fan of that. <laughs> and before we knew it, <laughs> out we went. It was like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air by like the back of my trousers and the scruff of my neck. Ah, out of the door. <laughs> cool. Guess we're not coming back here. I mean, I think we still went back after to film there, which was very funny. Did we? Oh, God. I think we did. One more time. I, I don't remember. It was all a blur. But I remember that bar was always... Was it sort of looks like this. It looks exactly kind of, like this, kind yeah. Of, yeah. Less face licks. Oh, Alberto got his face licked this day. Yeah. I feel like we should talk about that with Alberto. We should. Or with McG, because McG did that a lot to people. Not face licked, but (laughs) surprised people. Yeah. (laughs) McG licked zero faces, as far as I'm aware. (laughs) Did we ever... I'm trying to remember what the the mundane blood was for. Yeah, what was the purpose? I think it was just for Tess, wasn't it? Because he was trying to turn... The whole thing is he's trying to turn mundanes and shadow hunters. Right. Draining mundanes of blood and testing that blood, I think. Just experimentation in general. Valentine needs supplies. He's low in supplies. Amazon's out of mundane blood. Yeah. Got to get some more. Or Amazon's like $4.99 for (laughs) two-day delivery. No thank you. I'm just going to get my own. Paying that extra. Or they don't deliver to Chernobyl. They don't. I would imagine they don't. don't. I would imagine they don't (laughs) deliver to Chernobyl. There's a bunch of things that we didn't really end up putting in the show because there's so much like fight scenes and like these shots that take on a really long time. But like... The fact that we never catered for the fact that like shadow hunters are immune to radiation, that was a big one. 
Just like, why is he in Chernobyl? That's how is he not dead? That's insane. Just like, yeah, no, Shadowhunters <laughs> are fine. Don't worry about it. Also, wouldn't the mundane blood be irradiated and therefore no longer a control substance for this experiment that he's running? The only, like, if it was ever a success and he turned and he amalgamated angel blood and human blood, the only reason, or potentially one of the reasons for that, would be the fact that it was irradiated. Maybe that's why the experiments didn't work. Maybe that's possible. the one that was the thing, thing that he never that was took into account. Connectivity that he didn't need. Fun note here: we're at the scene where I come up behind the demon lady in the pink dress, and she's really tall, and she was taller than me, or she—I think she was about my height. So when you come into the then scene, they put her in heels. They put and then they put <laughs> her in heels. So when you come into the scene, you link arms with bodybuilder guy, and I walk up to her, and you can see that the height is off. And then they had to take off her heels. She's about four inches shorter. <laughs> so I was too oh, small. so funny. <laughs> I never knew that. I noticed it yesterday. And I remember it, it sort of, it harkened back these feelings to me of how it was like my first day doing my first big fight scene of anything I've ever done in my career. And I was like, this is embarrassing. This is an embarrassing way to start this. So they're going to have to ask the girl to like bend her knees so I don't look so fucking short. <laughs> You'd think they could do something oh, with the camera, but that's all you right. Think. They made it work. Remember doing that? You remember doing the pulley thing, the the slide across the floor for three hours? Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever done a a pull stunt like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's I think back to this and it's so interesting to see and remember what it was like to shoot these fight scenes when we hadn't it wasn't rote for us. It wasn't a normal totally. occurrence. This is the thing that people don't realize about fight scenes very often is that you do them again and again and again and again and again, same as you do every scene in a show or a movie or whatever. You just keep doing them over and over. And the adrenaline's going whilst you're filming them, which is great. And you yeah. can just kind of power through whatever it is, you know, obviously nobody wants to get injured, but I remember Darren telling us once that like, you, you, we will take care of you if you're injured, but like, don't come to me every time you get a bruise or a graze on your knuckles. And I'm like, fair enough. Cool. Yeah. If you want to do your own stunts, you've got to, you know, you've got to suck it up every now and then. Yeah. It's the next day. The next day that's rough because every, you know, Always whipping your day. head every time you get hit. And it feels like you've got whiplash, like all down your back and your neck and your arms. Everything hurts. Everything hurts. And then when we move to the heavier swords, the real, the good swords, those were heavy and it wasn't heavy to hold them necessarily. But the impact when someone hit your sword, that would vibrate down into your arms. So your forearms would hurt and your fingers would hurt. It was like mm -hmm. you went rock climbing. And I think people yeah. don't. People don't, I mean, there's no way they could know unless they've done one of these scenes. There's no way that they could know that it, it's exhausting, absolutely exhausting. And my favorite fight scenes that we did are the ones w like where we were all together. The ones that I did on my own were, they were fun. You know, I, I really enjoyed them, yeah. and, you know, with a stunt person. But like these stunt people are in such amazing shape that they're like, yeah, man, I'm fine. I felt fine the next day. And I'm like, I need normal <laughs> non-superhuman beings to do these fight scenes with so I can complain to someone the next day that I'm in pain. You know, that was, yes, it, it does feel a bit like you've been hit by a Mack truck the next day, but it's the best feeling, you know, because you know you've you've put all of yourself and your blood, sweat, and tears out into that scene and just, you kind of leave it all out on the stage as it were. And it, it's such a gratifying feeling because you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I can't turn off my alarm. I can't get out of bed. It, Hurts, I don't know if I agree with that. Look at what we did. I mean, I yeah, there's a huge sense of achievement, but I feel I, it's, have you ever had a sneaky hangover? Do you know what a sneaky hangover is? Uh, I have not had a sneaky. You've never hangover. had a sneaky hangover. Sneaky hangover is when you one. when it's a very sneaky hangover where you either so there's two ways of getting one. One, you black out completely and you don't remember 
the rest of the night and then you wake up in bed and you're like, oh, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, no, I'm not. Or <laughs> you you didn't drink as much as you thought you did and you're like, I was fine when I got home. And then all of a sudden you're not. That's what it feels like to me in the morning is after these fight scenes, you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm fine. Oh no, every part of my body hurts. What's going on? They're like sneaky hangovers. <laughs> No, I never experienced that. That's kind of, that's hysterical. We'll do it. We'll do it soon. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, so this is fun. So we are still in the Pandemonium Club and Clary has found herself in the middle of a fight between shadow hunters and between demons and she is looking very angsty at a glow-in-the-dark sword about to have someone rammed onto it. Oh my goodness, how many hours did we spend talking about the logistics of this one moment Mm -hmm. where Clary picks up the sword? When does the sword extend? Because again, Mm -hmm. we didn't know the rules yet. You know, by the end of the show, we all knew exactly how the swords worked, exactly how fight scenes worked, what the rules were, how demons disappeared. But at this point, this is the first one. This is the first one. So we're going, okay. This is the first demon we kill, isn't it? Oh, no, I killed uh, I killed the pretty lady in the pink dress. I think I killed her already. In fact, I, I know so. I did because I get her as I push you away. So I know that right. happened. But this, right. the thing that I thought was so interesting about this was the logistics of like Freeform and Netflix, what was mm-hmm. allowed to be seen on camera. <gasps> That's right. Because they, they had an issue with a sword penetrating through a body 
of something yeah. that looks human because we're allowed to do it yeah. to demons from the beginning we were allowed mm -hmm. to do it to demons we were allowed to put a sword through anything that wasn't i don't know if anything that wasn't human is correct because i can't imagine we'd be allowed to do it to like an animal or a pet or whatever that wouldn't be very nice right but anything but if it looked like a monster correct we were allowed to do it yeah and we were like well these guys are monsters and they're like but they look like humans so are we allowed to right. do it and we didn't know we didn't know until we saw yeah. it and we were like oh yep there it is out the back of this guy <laughs> right well because th that was the whole debate is we can see the sword go in but we can't see it go out the go other side out. of his back yeah. and mcg was going but we have to we have to see it it has to be this moment sure. and then but didn't they solve it by him dissolving before as as the sword went through he oh, kind of started they did? to turn to dust i think i think that was the loophole that's interesting that's very interesting i could be wrong but i believe that we'll have to ask my G. I have a pet peeve about how what happens to jace in i very nearly said it spoiler alert i'm not going to spoil anything but also i might end of season 2 yeah i have a pet peeve about what happened there because in the script, it was very different. And I wonder if that was the reason. <gasps> oh my gosh. You could be, because it was supposed to. It oh was. my gosh. And it was supposed to, you know. Uh huh. I wonder. But all of that, none of that's interesting on a podcast where you can't see what we're doing. <laughs> none of that's interesting at all. It's we're going to get gone, the hang of it. It's more foreshadowing. It's yeah. foreshadowing. It's we're more bringing foreshadowing. It back. The More thing shadowing. with the thing and the guy and the person in the mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. with the With the thing, guy the when other... it was dark and the uh -huh. rock. Remember right. the rock, the bouncy mm -hmm. rock? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all going to make sense. Bouncy rock. The bouncy We're not rock. talking about the bouncy rock yet. We're back to blue-eyed demon man. Back to blue-eyed demon so, man. untangenting, back to our main course of discussion. Refocus. Um, but that, that's what it was. We had so much time that we had to go, okay, does the sword extend as soon as I pick it up? Does it take a minute? Do I have to do something to it for it to activate without knowing it? And in the end, I think the decision was made that it's because it senses the shadow hunter just touching DNA. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just touching it. And then it extends. And then but it here's my more question than that, for you. And it becomes more than, go on, ask me your question. Well, my question for you in this particular instance, which I never, I never knew because I was so focused on, you know, hitting the mark and making sure the sword was in the right place. Did Jace see the sword and put the demon on the yeah. sword on purpose? Or mm -hmm. was it a, oh, I'm turning this way and there's the sword? No, it was, it was intentional. That was the plan. And I think, let me see, I think you see it because he, Tries to he I tried to take it off you and then get grabbed. Mm, that's right. And then lots of fighting. Cool, really cool moment. One of my favorite moments of this fight scene is the sword toss between Alec and Jace. You guys came up with that, didn't you? Mm -hmm. I actually think it was Alex. I, I, Alec. I think it was Matt's idea. <laughs> it was Matt's idea because you were trying to establish the parabatite the bond. Yeah, pre even mentioning what that. I don't think we mentioned that bond until like episode four or five. It doesn't yeah. come up until much later, but we knew what it was and we knew that that's the relationship that they have. And that it, in fact, in, when we spoke about it, it was going to be unspoken. It was going to be the fact that he could feel that I was in trouble. And yeah. we rehearsed it for a long time that he just threw and I caught it without even looking at it because it, we know mm -hmm. what each other are doing at all times. And he tossed, yeah. grabbed, did the thing, threw it back and that took some real work, but this was a cool moment for us. This was a cool, like, you know, we know where these characters are going to go. We know who they are. We know who they are to each other. So let us, and that's a big difference between us, where we are as established shadow hunters and how you came into this world. You didn't really have those relationships initially. You know, you didn't have right. those where it's like, I know how I feel about this person. I know how this is and how this is. You developed, Clary developed those relationships. Whereas 
with mm-hmm. us, which was quite interesting, is they sort of thrust us in with like two weeks of knowing each other. And they're like, you three, best friends. You don't like her. Imogen's <laughs> going to come in later on. Not a huge fan, but question mark. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was all of these mm-hmm. things that had to had to just sort of exist. And again, you know, the credit to having a cast like this, it just fell into place. You know, it's, it, it is just something that has existed within us for it, or it felt like it had ex- it had existed within us for however long, which was really lovely. It was a really nice thing to do. Absolutely, and I had a similar experience with Alberto and Isaiah. Mm. You know, having you know those are the two relationships of the series regular cast that Clary has had for most of, if not her whole life. And it's something that Alberto and I used to do at the beginning of a scene where we were talking about a memory, we would kind of create that for the two of us and figure out exactly what that was so that, you know, when we mentioned in the scene or we, you know, we spent so long talking about what their childhood was like and the things that they used to do together and and trying to create as many memories or at least mutual ideas of memories as Mm -hmm. we could during that time. And, And I think Isaiah just became dad to all of us very, very quickly, quickly. Just very by nature quickly. of who he is. Yeah, very, very quickly. And the double kill. I love the double kill the at double the kill end. Was the cool. double parabatai kill. The double kill was very cool. I also find it interesting. Clary just runs away from the scene of having I mean, potentially killed you, someone. Wouldn't you just hightail it? That's what I would do. Oh my God. There's all this chaos going on. And also, there's got to be a strange feeling to like eight dead people. And then going out, yeah. and everyone's just boogieing still. You know what I mean? Like nobody True. heard any of this going on. Nobody heard. It's True. just like just death everywhere. And then everyone's just good. I mean, Clary kind of goes through it from this point till the end of this episode. For the first few episodes, I realized as I was rewatching from from following Jace, following the hot guy into the bar, everything just mistake. kind of crumbles. It's always a mistake. It really is. Also, I that was a very cute little compliment you threw in there. And thank you very much. That was a nice stroking of my ego. And I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs> but then, you know, on top of eight dead people, maybe I just killed a guy, bump into you know, club owner or who I would assume to be the guy who's running this place mm-hmm. and have a strange flashback of of totally magic moment and weird memories that are starting to come back. Yeah. You got a lot going on. Poor Clary's got a lot going on. And I just ditch Simon. Yeah. Rude. Super rude. For sure. Best friend should have been like, hey, man, there's some weird stuff going on in here. We should just <laughs> we should dip. Leave the apple teenies. Let's just let's boo boo. Let's go. But, you know, maybe maybe it was her way of setting up Simon and Maureen. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. That seems like a bit of a stretch. But sure. It's a little bit. I have an issue with this scene as well. With Jocelyn in the apartment? Yeah. Right. So now we're back at the Frey house. And Clary is naturally pretty upset by what just happened at the club and is trying to recount it to Jocelyn while still being in a little bit of shock, surely. But just as Jocelyn starts to realize that she probably should tell her daughter what the heck is going on in this world she's interrupted by circle members attacking the house bastards <laughs> if she's been preparing for this potential eventuality for 18 years and then is all of a sudden panicked and just going to throw you through a portal that you didn't know existed don't you think she couldn't have written like a letter or something like an emergency like here's the deal this is what's going on this is like the emergency letter for when something like this goes down you get pushed through a portal to quasi safety open this letter and go oh well, this is mental but at least i sort of vaguely know what's going on i know where to be somewhat safe even just the address of the institute go to the institute 
Maybe. But too, what if someone had found that letter? You know, there's so many things that they had to to prepare for and be mm. ready for and think about. So many eventualities that I think having done nothing was a bit the, was it a bit was the much. route they chose. We're not we don't play shadow hunters are not planners in general. We are not good planners. We I don't think <laughs> I can't think of a single time that we in four years of filming this show that we made a plan and it worked. Demon cannons? Oh, but did, they didn't. They all the towers came down. You know, we'll we'll discover it. If there was a plan, Maybe. we'll find it in this yeah. rewatch. It, people who are listening to this podcast, I would like you to listen and then tweet us if you think we ever made a plan and it worked. Because I can't think of one. Maybe I mean little plans like stealing the motorcycle yeah. worked. Yeah, there you go. But you gotta give us a little credit. It would. Everything else just went up in flames. <laughs> everything else. But we do have in this scene our very first portal. Which we do. It's, Thank God those I remember changed. doing this. <laughs> Thank God. You know, it's kind of char- – it matches the the portal shard. You know, we, it does. we get into it. It does. It's so wild doing these things kind of in a vacuum, as we mm-hmm. did a lot through this first season. We didn't know what the portals were going to look like. We had no idea what this was going to be in the end. Here, look. Bedroom's on fire. So this I wanted to talk about because I remember being on set that day when they were setting the bedroom on fire. And so basically what they had done, for those who haven't seen the show, there's a scene in which Jocelyn decides she's going to destroy every evidence of Clary so she can't be tracked and sets the apartment on fire, as you do. As you do. They built <laughs> they built a set of the bedroom outside, uh, outside of our soundstage in the parking lot and set up the cameras put everything in there, and then literally set it on fire. And the crew was so excited because you never get to do things like this. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, we always try and preserve things and we do things, we make fake fire that can be put out within a few moments or, you know, a small explosion that's controlled and then expanded upon by visual effects later. This was a real live fire on our set and they just set the cameras in there, press record and walked away. And it, I mean, thank goodness they captured the footage, but didn't they melt the cameras? Front of the, yeah, it was like a $45,000 camera and the lens melted. So the interesting thing with cameras, and you get to learn more about this when you're on a set, a camera, it's not, it's, it's a bunch of very intricate pieces that come together and you sort of amalgamate, like the actual body of the camera is only about this big. And then the lens is also that big. And then all of the different, you know, bits and bobs that go on top of it. And, uh, yeah, the, I think the lens, I think the $45,000 lens melted. And that's why we have insurance on set. Uh, but before we get to that, we are back in the police station where we see Clary and Vargas kind of having a little conversation. Yes. Clary portals into the police station. Correct. At the behest of Jocelyn screaming, where is Luke? At the police station. Push into a portal. We find out later that's because you have to know where you're going when you go into a portal. Otherwise, you end up in limbo, limbo. which is very dangerous. You don't want to be in limbo. But, you know, Jocelyn has a lot of trust in Clary. Jocelyn and Dot have a lot of trust in Clary's inherent instinct and um, inherent uh shadow hunter blood to take over but there is there is that's sort of the point of who of like we were born into this world and a lot of it is that sort of that lion cub instinct of you you will learn to fight or you'll learn to run or you'll learn to jump or roar whatever it is yeah oh and then this is something i always i'm always reminded of we're back to clary at the police station Mm -hmm. and she sees luke interviewing what we learn later are two circle members but at this point, it seems as though he's aligning with them. Mm-hmm. And that 
That sort or of double worse, I loop. actually always read this or, or saw this scene as it's worse than aligning with them. He is announcing his own faction. Because doesn't he say, I don't care about those two. And if we find the cup, mm-hmm. it, my people want it. It's not, it's yeah. not for you. It's for us. We, right. Our people want it too. Or is that later? Maybe Alaric says it. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly. But either way, it sounds like another faction. Exactly. But at any rate, it's Clary's one saving grace. It's That was the one thing Jocelyn said is find Luke. Luke is the only person you can trust. And immediately, that's also taken away from her. <laughs> I remember doing this run down the stairs in the pouring rain, the rain towers, which mm-hmm. I don't know, a lot of people may not know, a lot of the viewers may not know on set, whenever it's raining very heavily in a scene, we're not always lucky enough to get real rain. In fact, even when we do, normally they'll use rain towers to keep it consistent. Indeed. So they bring in these things called rain towers where they pump hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water pouring out onto us. And they do heat it to begin with, but uh, it's usually no longer by the time it comes out. But I remember looking at that giant staircase at the police station, which we shot at again later. So you know Mm -hmm. the staircase I'm talking about. I do. And McG goes, yeah, just just sprint down these stairs. Um, And in the rain, I'm going, okay, I'm wearing five-inch heels. I'm going to sprint down these stairs, and you know how clumsy I am, Dom. So yeah. I'm just hoping I don't take a tumble. Super and uh, I think we only did one take because I made it down the stairs oh, nice. and I didn't good. fall. And, and also then they probably not it. worth the risk of you falling down take two. Like, we got it. That's good. Let's not put her through that again. Not in episode one. We don't, we don't want to lose Clary one. episode one. You don't no. want anyone to get injured in the first couple episodes and, unless you're me. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to talk about that when we get to we that will. episode because you had will. you had a bit of a day. I'm excited to see it though because I have not the injury obviously because I don't even think that made it on camera. Although maybe it did. No, huh? Um, but I'm interested to see then moving on because I know how I dealt with it as I just didn't walk around. I just didn't <laughs> yeah. move. So I'm really interested to see this like stagnation of of Jace yeah. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. But now we're back at Chernobyl and. I mean, early Al- Alan Van Sprang had so much fun with this role playing Valentine. And I, I remember I was a fan of Rain, which was the show he was on previously, playing another evil dad. And when I heard Alan Van Sprang was coming on to play Valentine, I most definitely fangirled a little bit, was very excited because I knew how much of a good bad guy he he's is. He's a good bad you guy. Know, and he, he's, and you just see him relishing and living in these moments. And he's also, he's a softy, Alan. He doesn't look like a softy, but he's just a big softy. Bless his heart, but he does do bad guy good. He does. (laughs) Wasn't all of this um, kind of equipment and pipes and Chernobyl, the Chernobyl essence, wasn't that existing in our soundstage already? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is just what the back room, yeah, I know what it is. You know what it is? Did did we figure out what it was? No, Uh I heard about seven. So our studio was a converted something. It was not a traditional soundstage. And I heard probably 17 stories throughout the four years of what it actually was because there was there was all this equipment in there and all these strange cellars and this white dust, dust that was sometimes just fall everywhere. from the ceiling. It was grim. Season two, they went in and really cleaned it out. But like, God, we made masks cool before 2019. <laughs> yeah. Like we had half the crew wearing masks because it was it was just gross in there. It was really grim. It was a box factory. It was, it, they made a boxes, box they made plas- plastic boxes. Yeah, it was a box. And then they took out, they tore out all the equipment. So the reason we had to do that is because Toronto is such a popular area to film that there were no mm-hmm. sound stages. There were no studios. So we couldn't, we couldn't find anywhere. So what they, I, well, this is what I heard. This, all they could do was find a space that was physically big enough 
to put in all yeah. of the equipment that we needed to put in and then buy it. And that's what they did and converted it. And then season two, we came back and it was beautiful. Yeah, I think in the end, we were really lucky because a lot of, you know, Dom, you and I have both worked on a lot of studio lots at this point. And when you work on a traditional lot, you know, your production office where all of the logistics are is usually on one end. And then you have multiple sound stages that you kind of have to run in between. And it takes a while. To, to get things done. There's a lot of time in between and that it takes to shift sets and move cameras. We had a home that, and you're sharing space with other shows sometimes. We had a space that was entirely our own that we could use the inside, the outside, the cellar, the basement, the roof, the production office we used sometimes. I mean, we used every single bit of that space and we could use any of it at any time because it was ours. It was and yeah. having that home was so wonderful. We, we really were able to kind of take ownership of that space and mm -hmm. customize it, I mean, including so having much, a yeah, stunt right. room. So much of yeah. New York is in, that, in or around that building. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like everywhere, like mm -hmm. Magnus's vamp, not well, both the vampire bar and Magnus's yeah. bar outside, outside that in yeah. the back room, the back corner, you know, the, the vampire house. den, the boathouse, the Jade Wolf. The Jade uh, Wolf entrance. All of it. The Hunter's Moon, all of it. Yeah. The roof of Hotel de Moore. So this scene, again, Clary drenched, more rain towers, more running in. This scene was my first scene ever working with rain towers. And they they had to take some time to kind of destroy the apartment. And it was one of my first experiences on set where, you know, McGee kind of came over to me and goes, I really need you to fall apart here because this is and he kind of talked me through it in the way that, you know, McGee does mm -hmm. kind of sets the tone and sets the scene for you. And, and in the wonderful way that our crew does, as you and I both experienced later on, they give you your space and they give you the time while they're doing their thing. They let us go find a quiet corner. and. We, you know, we, it's those moments of magic where we can kind of create as a team and, and they give you your space and they create the environment and then just let you play. And that's something I always loved about our set is, is our crew was able to create such wonderful, creative, safe spaces for us to, to dive in and, and do our thing, whether it was fighting or emotional or relationship or whatever it was. And it was, you know, hard work, cold work, but ultimately came off really well. And I think we shot this scene with Dot in the apartment another night because they had to spray me down again with a, a yeah, power washer there. kind of <laughs> I thing. I wasn't there for rain tower day. But you were there for this day with Dot now that we're in the apartment. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the scene. <laughs> well, <laughs> we shot in the apartment over the course of a few days, so I didn't know if we did this over two separate nights or not. I couldn't remember. Oh, man. Clary needs to remember to wear waterproof mascara. I'll just say that next time. Looks good, though, you know? Little, little... Little misty looks good. It's a good look. <laughs> was this Hubert in the first episode? I couldn't remember. I think remember. it was. I think this was one of our Hubert was one of our favorite stunt guys that we brought back again and again and again. He's really big, very very strong, very powerful guy, and he got injured, didn't he? Not on our show. He got injured on something else and had to yeah. take a break for like a year and a half, and then all of a sudden was just back in season two, and we're like, oh my god, Hubert. Welcome back. Yay, Hubert. No, but he's he's another incredible stuntman and also choreographed a few of our fights later on as well when we had mm -hmm. oh so many. Oh, yeah. But it, it just a, another great member of the team that became kind of a resident stunt player and coordinator on our show. For sure. Mm -hmm. 
The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know, this shot after you pass out is mm-hmm. is interesting because it's this is this is one of the great things about McGee. You know, it's it's just one of those like he's just like, do this. I want you to pick her up and I want you to walk on this line towards me. And you don't really know, or I didn't really know exactly what was being captured, what was being filmed. And then you see the scene and you're like, oh my God, it's amazing. Like it's this iconic yeah. like shot of, you know, Jace taking Clary to her future. That's really amazing. But McGee just has these, these eyes for things. He sees, he sees it happen. And that everything that we need to know about the relationship is sort of happening here. Like they have each other, they will be with each other in this new world. And that's where he's taking her. And I think that's really cool. And it's the whole scope. This scene is so sort of indicative of Clary and Jace for the rest of the show. It's the two of them side by side, fighting and figuring out unknown situations together with a little bit of sarcastic humor and this these sort of beautiful tableaus. And that's, McGee, you're right. He had such a vision for this. And this is why I've always been so grateful that he was the one who helped us build our world because he has the whole scope and this giant vision of, I'm going to take this story that's already great and already has so much to it and is so rich and take it beyond and elevate it to even another level and and create something that's so cinematic that, you know, how many times have we seen that photo put into fan art and yeah, put lots. into, you know, every iteration, every edit that's ever done of Jason Clary, that's somewhere in the video or For the sure. photo or something. And it it's one of the first photos that McGee sent me of, you know, the pilot episode was a photo he took from that day. And I remember looking at it and going, 
this looks like everything I grew up watching and reading. And that's us. That's our team. Yeah, it sure is. So, oh, and then Clary wakes up the Institute and you see her with the team for the first time. Correct. This was my audition scene. It was. Yeah, it sure was. I think it's fun. This like this thing that Emerald does where she's like super curious about who you are. Like you're a, you're a creature that doesn't exist in her realm. And rewatching mm-hmm. it, I thought she did such a good job. I think it's so it's such an endearing performance to watch because she's like she's right in she's not either of our opinions. Like I'm yeah, I'm infatuated by whatever this is, and whether that's love or sexual, whatever it is, that's more. It's just like there, and I, I need to understand you more. He doesn't give a shit and wants you gone, and she's like, "You're fun. I like you. I'm a. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I want you to." But I want to play with you. I want to. I want us to be like buddies. You know, it's the scientist in Isabel. Yeah, yeah. I do have to say, I find Grumpy Cat Shadowhunter Matt incredibly endearing. I forgot how because we see Alec become so warm and their mm-hmm. relationship becomes so kind of brother and sisterly later on. I forget how just cut and dry Matt played Alec in the first season. Right at and the beginning, it's, yeah, with Simon as it's well. It's very much Matt's on. sense of humor as well, and it's so charming. <laughs> It is, yeah. Just makes me love Matt Daddario all the more. Agreed. All the more. As if that were even possible. Look at his stupid, gorgeous face. Are you kidding? <laughs> Another one of the most photogenic individuals to exist yeah, It's on the ludicrous. Like, you got to stop, man. <laughs> you know what's interesting about audition scenes is, mm. you know, you do audition scenes hundreds of times, just over and over and over and over. And you do them at home and you prep them at home. And then you do the tapes where you do them with the casting and then you do them again at the recall. And then you do them again with the directors. Then you do them again with the actors. And then eventually when you get on set, there's this, or at least with me, there's this like fear that it's gotten stale. And you're like, how do I, how do I make this like I'm saying it for the first time. How do I do this like I'm yeah. saying it for the first time? And McGee did a really good job. I don't know if you remember, but when we, when the previous part of this, it was, he had Matt improvise and he had M improvise and he had us like talking about it and giving us different sort of thought processes that made it feel new. And I thought that was a really clever technique for a director because we know what's coming. What's coming is a scene that we've literally done a hundred times and we need to come into it <laughs> with fresh eyes. And done together a hundred times. Yeah. I thought that was very clever. By the way, little foreshadowing here. There's, Simon is now calling Clary and seeing that she's in this abandoned church and Jace has found Clary's notepad. And if you watch my right hand, I start playing with my Stele. And it's something that was in the books that I wanted to bring in with Jason. So Cassandra had said something about, it's weird that someone so confident has this tick, has this nervous sort of tick. plays with it. And I wanted that to be a part of Jace. So I start doing this thing where I sort of twizzle the Stele around my thumb. And this is the sole reason that I broke so many of them, other than the fact that they're very fragile, is I'm not very good at that twizzling thing. I'm, it's, I'm, can get it one. like it's fine when I'm over the bed <laughs> and it, every time I drop it, it just doesn't break. But I would do it standing yeah. up over the floor and every time I would drop it, it would just shatter everywhere. Yeah. It's a big reason why in season two, I didn't have any. They didn't, they stopped giving them to me. It was just like, you they can activate you your runes with your eyes and <laughs> d- just stop destroying our props, please. Yeah. Oh, and this is the first time we really highlight the runes in a big way. Mm-hmm. And How important they all are. of the conversations we had about the color of the runes and mm-hmm. the size of them and what they were to look like. And they changed season two. Mm-hmm. But in season one, we each character had a color palette of what colors they would use for our runes specifically based on our skin tone and based on, you know, what how fresh they were and and when we had gotten each rune. And our makeup department was so put so much thought and energy into it. And then the slap is gone. 
I don't know where that the slap footage is. Gone. I was going to bring this up. The slap is gone, though. I want that. So in this scene, it was an iconic scene from the book for those people who don't know, where Clary slaps Jace for being the cheeky shadow hunter that he is. <laughs> and I was so surprised when they brought me to set that day and they asked me to just slap you. Yeah. I was not expecting that in the slightest, nor did yeah. I really particularly like that at all. Whatever. I saw your face. No, I swear. You loved every second of it. Also, fun note, Cat slaps with like the balls of her okay. hand. She doesn't slap okay. with her fingers I... like a normal person. That's just like a little, like a ping and it stings for a second. She punches me and that first take, and the thing with shadow hunters, <laughs> you're not really supposed to feel it. It's just sort of like, oh, I was, just got hit in the face. But she decks me and it takes me a second to like get my composure. And I'm like, oh my God, when are my eyes going to focus? Like, it's <laughs> crazy. I would like to say, Dom, I will say, I've been waiting for years to set the record straight on this. So uh -huh. let me just, for the record, say that that particular take that you're talking about, they had actually moved my mark a little bit. So I was a little bit closer to you oh, and I didn't it think about adjusting. Fault. It was someone no. else's fault. I see. No, I'm saying I didn't adjust my slap after moving closer to you. So <laughs> she punched me it in the is face. on me. That's what everyone needs to know. She punched me in the face. Episode one, probably a weekend, she cut McNamara, punched Dominic Sherwood in the face. And I went on record. I did not. I did not. I slapped you at the behest of our bosses. She did. She was told with to the slap wrong me in part the face. of my hand. With the I was told part to slap the, with the wrong part of my hand. We, in all seriousness, we've, so clipped, we've clipped each other. A couple of times. I remember I've caught you with a sword it's once true. and I remember it happening yeah. and I remember feeling dreadful about it. And it happens, you know, it's part of what you do. Like yeah. if you, because you can also, you can go into set and say, I don't want to get slapped in the face. I'm unwilling to get slapped that's in true. the face. Like I don't want that to happen. And that's completely acceptable when you go, fair enough, that's okay. Like, but if you're going to, it's what we were saying earlier, like with the stunts, if you, if you say, yeah, do it, then you can't complain that like actually she hit me quite hard like well you just you said that they can oh, slap you can? me in the face you know you can't you shouldn't i've got some <laughs> mileage out of it if i'm honest i've definitely got you some did. mileage have, out of it i can but i will say that i did not like slapping you in the face and it was it. not i get it it was not it was not fun but we got here through. we are towards the end we're in chernobyl again and yes, do you remember this? Again, it was another long conversation of when can Simon see the mm. shadow hunter that you're killing? Is this the moment where you got to do the kill where you do the shh? So that's what we sort guy? of aimed for. It was sort of. Is that of, what you aimed for? Kind of. It was. It. I, I wanted this. I wanted this thing with the shadow hunters where like killing isn't pleasant. It's not something we enjoy right. doing. But also, there's this anger to Jace that that is the story that he has in his head that you know, we come to find out, but it's the story that he has in his head about how his father was treated and how his lineage has since been treated. And they were they were tortured and destroyed and killed by the circle. So I don't think it's so much like shh and slowly digging the knife in. It's more like, I want you to know that the, this is why I'm doing this. Like I'm doing this because it's revenge. I'm doing this as revenge. You yeah. killed my father. You destroyed my life. You destroyed my family. And yeah. you deserve this. It's sort of that dark, dangerous side of Jace that that is unhinged, but also that makes him very good at what he does. It's you know, and mm. it's also that that paradox of that he continually says that we don't have emotions. Shadow hunters don't have emotions, but actually we thoroughly do. Of course we do. And this yeah. is the first prime example of that where he's angry, where he loses his composure and he doesn't enjoy killing this person, but there's also a part of him that, that this brings him just a tiny little bit of closure. Mm -hmm. And that's a dangerous, that's the dangerous side of Jace is that 
if you cross him, when you cross him, when you cross the people he cares about, he will go to the ends of the earth to make that right. And that's what happens. And that's, as we dive into the story, that's what kind of becomes so beautiful about Jason and Clary's relationship is they each have something to teach each other. Clary teaches, helps to Jace learn how to feel things and how to use his emotions and how to kind of go into that side. And Jace teaches Clary how to be a fighter and how to get through this world and how to, you know, and together when one is weak, the other is strong and they kind of bring each other and balance each other out in that way. Mm -hmm. That's sort of a big part of who these shadow hunters are. And one of the big things that I really loved about them always and what I thought was so attractive about this story is these guys are kind of broken. They're like damaged people, but only from the perspective of other human beings, which is one of the parallels that we never, we never really sort of delved into with real life and with this, you know, there's a, there's a lot of like shitty hate out there. There's a lot of people who dislike other people, but whether they refuse to, or are unable to, or have neglected to so far, they have not seen the story from the point of view of whoever the other person is. They've seen it from the point of view Mm -hmm. of the person telling the story themselves. So my thing with Jace that I always thought was really interesting was and, and vice versa with Jace's opinion of Clary, where he's like, well, I don't understand why you don't get this. Like, this is, it doesn't make any sense because you only see the story through your eyes ever. You can only mm-hmm. ever see that story through your eyes. And Jace was broken and he was damaged. And he lost his parents when he was 10, then joined a new family, but fit in with that family immediately because one was Parabatai and the rest were his shadow hunter brother and sisters. It just made sense to him. It was his community. So whether or not you agree or disagree with the behaviors of a community, that's their, that's, that's their prerogative. That's who they are. Yeah. And you just need to let them be who they are. And that's what I thought was really cool about the shadow hunters. And I think that's too why Clary and Jay's kind of connected in a lot of ways as they go through the story. Because Clary, and I noticed this in rewatching these first couple of episodes, is Jay saw Clary for another version of him coming mm-hmm. into the Institute as a lost kind of lone puppy, as it stray, were. Stray, yeah, you're and a little stray. A stray. A stray fray. A stray fray. <laughs> a stray fray. Needing, needing a family and needing to be brought in and taught the ways of the world and taught how to survive and how to thrive and how to do good out of a bad situation. And I think that's, you know, it's something that their journeys kind of parallel in a lot of, in a lot of ways, mm. um, more or less throughout as the story goes on. But it, it's something that I always felt too on a personal level diving into the show. You know, I was I was 19 when I booked the show. I moved to a foreign country. You were the only person that I had any real kind of friendship with before the show. Mm. And we made a family and we learned we were thrown into the deep end of the pool together and had to learn how to swim and had to learn how to shoulder this responsibility and and make this show and we did it. Yeah. And it was a wonderful experience and and I think that's why we were all kind of so close as our characters did the same thing, we went through a very similar journey. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, I think, yeah, the deep end is, because not just story-wise, like filming season one was, I'm not speaking for anyone else because I wouldn't dare, but I can say very honestly from my point of view, and I know people will agree with me, filming season one was tough. It was really hard work. There were a lot of times we didn't know which direction we were going, what the avenues were. There was a lot of pressure to get it right because of, first of all, there's a huge following for this already in these stories and these characters, Mm -hmm. but also on top of that, it's been done once and, and people didn't love it. So we, this is the second iteration of trying to do something. And then I think as we sort of touched on briefly earlier, the hours we worked trying to, trying to get it perfect was 
ludicrous and not just for us, but for the crew as well. Um, it was, yeah, it was really something. And I think when you get thrust into something like that, you really do bond over it where you're like, how much sleep did you get? You know, I got like two and a half hours. Yeah. You got two and a half hours too. Cool. 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 Let's have a coffee at 11, 12, one, two, three, four. I just, we'll just keep going that way until we get through the days. And then just that coffee IV drip. Just that coffee drip. (laughs) And then we did, then we found a rhythm and it was good. And that's, it's fairly, it's fairly typical of, especially a pilot and then pilot episode through maybe episode five, where you're just sort of, you're figuring it out and you're learning what these relationships are both on screen and on set. And it takes some doing, but this one particularly, I think, because there was a physical toll for everybody, um, was really tough. And I think that's what connected everyone. Cause we, you know, last day on set ever, we had people there who were there first day. We had like Glenn was there. Glenn, who is, our amazing B camera operator Glenn was Warner. there day one with us. I remember meeting Glenn day one and he Glenn had did been my with very us. first shot as Clary. He set you know up my I very have, first shot. Um, I think you have a camera. I think you have Drew's camera slate. Don't you? They give that to I you. I think I do. Yeah. I have, yeah, yeah. I have, B, do you camera. have B camera. Yeah. It's at Decker's house. The, so the slates, are the clapper boards the beginning of the, the beginning of every shot, Seen you know, this, take this boop, boop, clap, click. And what it is, is it's uh, a way of matching the sound starting because sound is recorded separately via a personal microphone that they they stick to your chest. Or a boom. Uh, or a boom or both. And it's a way of matching where the sound needs to start versus where the picture of the sound needs to start because there are times where the sound is happening far away or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But they, they write on it with, you know, a dry erase marker. This is the scene we're doing. So in the edit room, they can put it all together. And that started to rub off because it was obviously just dry erase. So I just took a Sharpie and I, I wrote it all back on top. And it's probably honestly one of my proudest possessions of all the things I stole, got given from Shadowhunters, got given. I did not personally steal anything. I only yeah. took things I was given. Whatever. I can't speak for anyone else. Whatever. <laughs> Wait until you see Clary's bedroom. It's barren. She just took everything. <laughs> she took the bed sheets. I saw her do it. Uh, I did not. I almost wanted to take the bedspread, though. But um, but this is, you know, as you say, we did have such a family from the cast to the crew to everyone else. And I don't think we would have found that rhythm when we would have figured it out and, and gotten through. You know, we were in the trenches together, as it were. Yeah. And we we soldiered through together and figured it out, but in a way that created something so beautiful and in a way that we wouldn't have been able to do without such an incredible group of people from top to bottom, from our producers at, at ABC Family that then became Freeform to all the way to our crew that was on set with us every single day to each and every person that came in, even if they were there for just a day on set. I There were very, very few people that were not just a joy to work with on set every single day. I agree. All right, where are we at? I think we're right at the end. We're at another beautiful, beautiful McGee tableau with... Clary in between Jason Simon, one saying "Come with me," the other saying "Come with me." Yeah, outside the church. The precision. Oh, the precision rune. Yes. And then that's it. That's our pilot. We have we have Alan who comes on says, "I very much want to meet this daughter." No, he doesn't say that. That's he, in the next episode. He does because he no he finds out that. Uh, oh, right? that Jocelyn had a daughter. Yes, he does. You're right. That Jocelyn had a daughter because he didn't know. We didn't know this, Correct. but he didn't know that Jocelyn had a daughter. Correct. And so then we go, what? 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 Yeah, you're absolutely right. Foreshadowing there for the future. That was the pilot. And there it is. Good grief. Wow. What a what a time it was. How long ago did we film that, Kat? Do you remember? We shot that pilot episode in 2015. 2015. In 
We shot that seven years ago. In May of 2015. So like six six years, eight months ago. Yeah. Wow. I remember so many mornings, mornings when we wrapped at 7 a.m., just sitting, sitting outside with you, waiting for our vans, waiting to go home, dead tired. We'd worked so hard all night, yet we somehow both had smiles on our faces and couldn't stop talking about everything that had happened the night before and all the stories and the funny moments and the mishaps. And it was that moment I kind of looked at you and went, oh, this is going to be fun. This is is a person that I can go through, yeah, the next five, six, seven years. Totally. And that's what's interesting about doing this, even just in the last hour or so, what I found when it comes to, to revisiting something like this is like, it was hard work. And there are times where the last thing I wanted to do was another take. Like I was broken. (laughs) My body was done. I had nothing emotionally left. But that's not to say that I didn't enjoy every fucking second of it. Every second of this, Mm -hmm. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I wanted nothing more than to come back and do it again and again and again and keep going until we did a damn musical episode. That's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do a musical episode, <laughs> but I, everything else. We would have convinced you. I don't know. I, my, what was my stipulation was that if Matt sings, if we get Matt to yeah. sing and dance, and he did, he danced in one of them. He did. He See, sure there did. you go. We were this close. This, this close. close. So close. But that's something that, you know, we had so much fun making this show. We poured our blood, sweat, and tears into it. We had a great time. And then... The fandom had such a great time watching it. And this is what has made the Shadow World and the Shadow Fan become so special for both of us, I think. You know, we, you and I both relish. We love hard work. At least I think you're the kind of person that loves hard work. Yeah. And, you know, we, we made a show that meant a lot to us. And then it ended up meaning something to other people as well. And to be able to celebrate that and to be able to go back and relive all the memories is, is going to be a fun journey. Yeah. And... That is it, guys. That is the end of episode one of this podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We have a whole buttload more to come. And I'm so oh, excited so to share plans. with everyone what it was like to film this. What, you know, no holds barred. Nobody's going to get in trouble for saying things because we're still employed. Like, we can, we can <laughs> really talk about this show. We can really talk about it and talk about yeah. everything that you have wanted to know. So thank you for being a part of this with us. I think this is going to be a really exciting journey. Absolutely. And in the future, we will hopefully be gathering questions to Mm -hmm. be able to answer and getting some fire messages from the Shadow Fam out there and uh, doing some more fun featurettes as we, uh, fun segments as we go through. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming with us, returning to the shadows with us, as it were. And uh, I guess at this point, we'll bid you hail and farewell. Until next time. Return to the Shadows is hosted and executive produced by Catherine McNamara and Dominic Sherwood. Our executive producer is Ling Lee. Our senior producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. And our producers are Hannah Harris and Kristen Vermilia. Original music by Alex Kinsey and performed by Alex Kinsey and Catherine McNamara. The episode was mixed by Seth Alansky. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.